This is The Mandalorian's The Explosion Network's after show breaking down, discussing, reviewing each episode of the Disney Plus original Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. My name is Dylan Blight, and joining me, Ashley Hobley. Hey, Dylan, I'm excited to be here to tell for to be here so you can tell me exactly what's going to happen next episode. Yeah, it's I do get a, a gold star, I think, for uh, my predictions last week. Like, obviously, I didn't predict everything but pretty much i mean i got i got the general pretty close. I, I got the general apart from the big reveal at the end obviously i got the general uh scope but i thought it was very obvious to be honest you know that's why i'm a professional m- movie and tv critic i just know the ways of the things <laughs> come on john john take the mask off <laughs> i really appreciate you playing the bit but- <laughs> uh so this week's uh, we're talking about episode three, chapter three, called The Sin. It was directed by Deborah Chow, written by John Favreau. Of course, noteworthy. First time a female director has directed anything Star Wars uh, live action. So um, big pluses there. And also, before we jump into first impressions, it is also, again, worth noting that she's going to be directing the entirety of the obi-wan disney plus series so uh, a lot of people watching this episode uh, uh, with like prove yourself to me deborah prove that i don't have to yell at you on the internet you know all this sort of stuff mm. and then <laughs> i did laugh because once the episode over people were like yeah you did a good job but you have my permission to do it i'm like she was doing it either way you know like it's, it, <laughs> yeah, she, it didn't, she, she didn't need your permission she was already hired <laughs> she was already in for the job <laughs> Uh, so this week's episode, we see the Mandalorian turn Yeetle to the client and receive his reward of Beskar, but quickly has a change of heart and heads back to save the little cutie. So what are your overall thoughts on this week's episode? Did anything stand out? And what was your favorite moment? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good episode. Obviously, we, based on your prediction from last week, I kind of saw where this was probably <laughs> heading, especially as soon as he dropped the young Yeetle off at the start of the episode. Like, yeah, that's not going to stick. Um, I did, it, it, it literally played out exactly the way you thought it was going to play out, which is kind of frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> really? You wanted me to be wrong? <laughs> I was like, obviously, I, I, I find the Mandalorian, like, culture aspect, I guess, an interesting thing that they kind of touch on, but don't really go too deep on. Um, and then, yeah, you know, he gets out there and he breaks into that fortress or that building. Real sneakily. Yeah. Well, um, somewhat. <laughs> does, at one point, he does the Batman thing where he's, the guy's talking to him and he's just gone. Yeah, sneaks off. Gone. See you later. Um, yeah, I would say this is definitely the... I mean, I know we're only three episodes in. It's always weird to be like, this is the best episode ever so far. <laughs> but I think this is the best episode so far. Um, obviously, because it just feels the most like action-packed with a direction for the show. Like, I have no idea. It's still 30 minutes. Yeah. That's what's crazy about it. It's still so, well, it was, like... Wasn't short it was, wasn't it like 36 37 38 something like that? 33 i think i was i don't just double checked and there was like 33 minutes into the credits so my my one criticism and this isn't just for this episode this is more like looking at the past three imagine a world where disney plus launched with the first what we've just seen the last three episodes was a feature length first episode of the mandalorian and it was the first second or third episode as one thing and that's what you watched and then it ended the way this episode like no changes they just cut them together 
obviously get rid of the credits and whatever and help transitioning a bit better, but just cut them yeah. together. And then the feature length first episode ends with him taking off with Util into space. I feel like that's like, if people sat down to watch this 90 minutes or whatever it would have been of this, they would have been like, holy fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you just sat down for 90 yeah, but minutes. But then where do you, where do you go from there? I mean, you do another three episodes of 30 minute episodes. Was it eight episodes? I guess. It was eight episodes, so yeah. They would have had to slide down. But I I'm just like yeah. I kinda I guess it's kind of like the Clone Wars. This well, there's several things that reminded me about the animated series of this episode, which I'll get into when we begin breaking down the series. Yeah. But this three episode arc that we've had reminds me of the Clone Wars where they would do three to four episode arcs that you could watch week by week, but then when you got the DVD and I would just binge watch them together. It was like one big movie feature. And this show yeah. feels very similar to that. And I'm wondering if that's the structure that's going to kind of play out um, for the future episodes where it's like, okay, well, these three, four episodes play together really well. And you know what I mean? Like, obviously it's one continuing story, but the, these this this episode felt like the finale of the, the two previous, obviously somewhat. Mm. Like, really does just feel like you could cut them together into a movie. I mean, you could. I mean, I guess going back, if they had have shown the Yeetle stuff prior, yeah. then you could have done it, that three-episode arc launch day one. I guess so, yeah. But because they wanted to have that reveal. reveal. Yeah. Then yeah. they can't. And, side note, we're getting that merch. As soon as that, it, that reveal happens, they got straight to work. On yeah. Yutal merch. Yeah, they say, they keep saying that Yutal merch is going to be dropping anytime soon, basically, is the alarm bells ringing for everyone across the internet. What, the other thing I do want to talk about quickly before we jump into the episode is uh, Yutal himself. So, of it, it, just the general meme ability of this show, actually, is one thing I want to bring up. So, you've got Yutal, that's all over the internet everywhere. Like, millions of GIFs, memes, whatever. Everyone That's all everyone's talking about. Number one thing that's most talked about with The Mandalorian is... Yeetle. How cute. Yeah. Great. Go for gold. Next thing that's most talked about is just the memes. So, uh, episodes prior, it was I Have Spoken. Now it's yep. This Is The Way. Now you've got combinations. So, I, I, I feel yeah. like... I, I don't know if it speaks to, like, the way... Uh, we, we consume we consume media culture. these days and like the way it works and how to make a successful TV show but it's like this show is more successful than well, I wouldn't say more successful because like obviously the Star Wars movies have made a bunch of money um, but I really just feel like this is hitting even if they didn't mean to and I, I do wonder if they did mean to um, the zeitgeist of the internet simply because it has so many the cute factor plus the meme ability of lines and all this sort of stuff. Like it is really hitting something within the internet zeitgeist. And I'm like, it is so weird. It's odd. Well, it's good. I mean, it's getting more it people watching it. I guess. Just that popular, I guess it's, it's so universal, I guess, or popular that you feel you can make jokes about it and everybody knows about it. It's the same thing with game of Thrones. This last season, everybody was posting game of Thrones memes 20 seconds after the episode was finished. Mm. So, it's just the way people consume TV now. So, sorry, people in anywhere except Australia, New Zealand, Canada, <laughs> America, or the Netherlands. <laughs> the Netherlands, yeah, can't forget. 
um, it's really yeah because it's, it's quite odd. But I I would love to see the numbers of episodes because I could almost guarantee this is one of those shows where first episode um, viewership over the first two weeks. I'm saying two weeks because launch in America and then launch in Australia. I'm gonna say those first episode viewership numbers were like yeah good, and it wasn't until like that second week or like towards the halfway through when we had it and everything else that I swear it started taking off and then Yeetles everywhere. And then how many people have now jumped on the show because of that? You know, a lot, probably a lot. I would definitely say a lot. Um, all right. So let's also want to point out, yep. apparently Disney have been taking down gifs, Yeetle gifs. Yeah. Afraid of spoilers. Mistake. Which is a mistake. Why? Yeah. Don't do it. There's going to come no, Apparently it's like a copyright thing. What? Stupid. Put them up yourselves then. Put on the official Disney thing or whatever. Make them available to people. This is one of those things. Quick side note. With the corporate, the GIFs thing. Another quick side note. Quick side note. The companies always try and do this. They're like, we will take down something that we don't want. We'll we'll give a reason. Oh, spoilers. All this sort of stuff. You're only going to piss people off and then they'll keep making them and keep uploading them. And so the cycle will continue. You will not win. So either if you, if, you, if you don't want people sharing them around because they're not high quality enough for you or what have you, then upload them yourself and make them available, you know, because they could upload them and make them shop through the Twitter GIFs and Jiffy and whatever else. So it's just like pick your, pick your problem and fight it, but don't, don't fight the people who are literally helping promote your show and get it viewerships and whatever else. Uh, okay, so let's jump into Breakdown episode. Because I, overall, yeah, great episode. That was, I was like, what was we talking about? So episode starts with the, they're aboard the Razor Crest. Yeetle crawls out of its crib and tries to eat the ship, I guess, <laughs> or try to play with this little uh, knob that's uh, aboard the uh, one, one of the ship parts here, which I've got, I do, do want to quickly note here. Nearly everything that happens happens in the show is not throwaway, and that's another thing that I think is so good about it. Like, there's no like random throwaway thing. It's like, what's well, this random cute moment with Yeetle? No, it's important for later. You know, it's not just cute factor thing. It's important story reason why. You know, um, so then grief calls in, uh, Hollow calls in and talks. To, I do like how he calls in Mando. It's like, hey Mando, you got everything. You got a good job. Yeah. Hey Mando, you done the thing. Deliver the cargo. Um, so he he tells him to deliver the cargo straight to the client. Mando then lands and takes Yeetle through the city. You see everyone's kind of looking at him a bit odd because he's dragging a baby pod with a little green critter inside behind him. But um, And then they head on side into the client's place uh, where the stormtroopers meet them and they grab the cradle and start like very roughly pulling it along and Yeetle doesn't look too happy about it and in fact Mando even says like be careful with that and then the Stormtroopers say something along the lines of do your job shut shut up paid shut the fuck shut up Mando um then they get inside the building the doctor comes out and begins scanning Yeetle saying that it looks like a thermometer like a you know like a temperature thermometer scanner I have them at work like you stick them in three freezers and stuff like that to 
scan mm. what the temperatures are and these sorts of things. Um, so he, he scans Jeetal and he says that he's uh, very healthy. And then the client runs over when Herzog and they're both head over heels with the fact that they've got Yeetal delivered. And kind of weirdly, they're like poking their head in. It's a little bit scary. Uh, the other thing, uh, other thing I do want to note before we move on to the next event that happened is because the number one thing that stands out in this first section of the episode to me because i watched the episode twice and the, the thing that stands out to me the second time the most was that in the second episode we had a couple brief shots from basically pov po- uh, point of view from like yeetle like that they, they were doing some shots that were like more from Yeetle's point of view or like from inside its carriage and these sorts of things. Like there's one or two, I think. In this episode, in this section, as we're kind of going along here, they do a lot of shots from within Yeetle's pod. And I was like, well, they've done like a couple in the second episode, but this third episode, they're like, okay, we're going to give you a lot of shots that's basically from Yeetle's point of view. And that was interesting from a show that up until a certain point was all the Mando's point of view. So I don't know if that's being done on purpose to like slowly include Yeetle into like, I don't, I don't know really know what the, mm. the connection is there, but it definitely feels like it's not just, oh, it's a cool shot. Let's put the camera inside the yeah. pod. It definitely feels like they've, they've slowly building up this momentum of, saying that Yeetle's point of view is important as well, important as well or something, like a, a, a becoming one with the Mandos or, uh, along these lines. Yeah. Because literally literally everything in this show is all from the, the Mandos point of view. You never, We never cut back like we do in normal Star Wars and uh, cut to what the bad guys are doing, you know, like the stuff that we do in the movies and whatever else, so. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought that's quite odd. But although the shots do look cool, that's other thing. Like the inside yeah. the the thing there. Uh, so then the Mando asks uh, when Herznog's the client. Still don't have a name. Empire dude, I guess. Bad guy. A lot of people don't have names. Yeah. No one has names in this fucking show. Everyone's it's like Mando, the client, the baby, <laughs> the child, whatever. All these random yeah. fucking things. I don't know what we're calling anybody here. Um, so then Mando asks the client about the fogs, fobs, fobs, fobs. sorry, I wrote it wrong in my notes, fogs I wrote, fobs, uh, that were given out, and the client says that he had to guarantee the delivery, implying that he, he did hand out a lot to more bounty hunters, which, when we talked about it last week, you were saying that maybe other people had, like, from a different side, had been given them, and that's why they, like, yeah. some were sent to kill, but it definitely does seem that they, they were all from him. The, the one key difference of why the Mando was told dead or alive, though, seems to be that when the Mando went and spoke to him, the doctor broke into the room at that point and let out that, no, I want it alive. So then the doctor's like, dead or alive. Yeah. But I guess every other time that a bounty hunter came in and spoke to the client about the job, the doctor wasn't there. Um, and he simply said, just kill it. I think that's the... Yeah. The key difference there. So it wasn't like different companies Probably. or different people. I mean, there's still a chance there were more companies, but this this currently This episode it heavily sets up hev- it, it feels more like set up for the end of this episode. Yeah, this this episode heavily implies that definitive there are definitive answer to yeah. that. 
that they were all um, from this planet. Well, also, this planet basically seems like where all the bounty hunters live in the world now. <laughs> it's like they're literally yeah. all here, it seems. Um, so they, he then gets his reward of Beskar and um, Mando watches Yuto cry out as it's taking away, which was very sad to watch. <laughs> this, this episode just sad. pulls on all of the heartstrings. Uh, Mando then asks the client what his plans are for little Geetle, but then the client gets all snotty and basically tells Mando that it's none of his business um, and to piss off, <laughs> piss off, basically. Yeah. So The business is done. Yeah, business is done. Don't ask questions. It's against... He says it's against guild code. Yeah, against bounty hunting yeah. guild code is the things. But another thing that's important about this episode, I think, is that it becomes quite obvious that... The Mandalorian, as much as before this show came out, and we, we didn't know what this show was about, is the thing. The more, yeah. every episode, I feel like I get a better idea of what the show is about, what, what it's about, uh, where we're heading, the characters, so on and so forth. When we're heading into the show, I thought this show was going to be about a Mandalorian bounty hunter. Now I think the show is simply about a Mandalorian and Geetle. I don't think the show is about bounty hunting at all, really. And I don't think the Mandalorian cares about bounty hunting. Like the bounty hunting side of things is a means to an end, and I don't think he cares about bounty hunting code. Like he cares about yep. Mandalorian code. That's what his life is yep. about. It's not about bounty hunting code, and he gives two shits. You know. But coming into the okay. show, I feel like we thought it was more going to be about. He's going to be bounty hunting yeah. episode, every episode. Yeah. It's going to be a different yeah. target, a different, a different character too, like one that would care about bounty hunting code. Whereas now I'm like, yeah. he doesn't care about the bounty hunting code at all. Like that's that's not him. Um, so then Mando heads back to the armor with his ice cream container, and I just want to shout out some weird like tie-in thing that happened here. So the the, the container that. Um, he gets the Beskar in is a Easter egg thing from Empire Strikes Back. There's a random character that runs past Lando when they're 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 doing the escape from Cloud City, and for years that character has been they called this item he was carrying an ice cream container, and they've used it as a joke. Like if you go play any of the the Lego Star Wars games and things, they'll have this character show up randomly in the back of all those in like random Star Wars scenes, just carrying this container, which everyone started calling an ice cream container for whatever reasons and just running in like screaming in different directions. If you go on Twitter, they added like 42 or something like that. I think it's 40 something hashtag things that come up with the little emojis, you know, when you do the hashtag and there's one hashtag Wilderow hood, which comes up with that character from empire strikes back holding the ice cream container. And I'm like, and this went up a couple of days before this episode came out. And then everyone was like theorizing that the ice cream container was going to show up in this episode uh, again, which it does because obviously he gets it handed here. But now, now people are also like, I've seen other people on Twitter being like, okay, well, they've got the hashtag Wilbur Hood. Does that mean that we can see Wilbur Hood like <laughs> show up as a background actor at some point in this? Which, I mean, I wouldn't put it past John Favreau because he keeps chucking in like really random, obscure, like OG trilogy uh, bits of trivia there but yeah go on twitter hashtag willrow hood there's a little character holding an ice cream container go watch empire strikes back look out for willrow hood he runs past with that ice not that ice cream container but um the first time we saw a container like that so yeah he heads uh mando heads back to the armor or the i mean that's what that's what i'm calling her that also head mando it definitely seems like she is the head of the mandos um 
very much yeah, gather from this one. Yeah, she like... very much seems like she's the one in charge. Um, I would definitely say this scene is everything that happens here in the Mando is like the reason I had to watch it twice because there was a lot to take in, a lot happening, lots of words and things. And the first time watching it, I completely zoned out because I was just so like enthralled by trying to pay attention that I completely forgot to even take notes. So I'm like, well, I definitely have to watch the episode twice now. But it was all because of this scene where I'm like, I can't. There's, there's so much happening here. Um, so firstly, as the Mando enters, it seems like all the other Mandalorians are eyeing him off more so than last time because he's carrying a container of Besco, obviously. He yep. shows it to the woman and she says, uh, the armor or head Mando, whatever we're calling her, um, she says that can be shaped in many ways um, and warns him that uh, it will attract a lot of attention though. At this stage, we see other Mandos start creeping in from behind. One of them, bigger one, picks up one of the pieces of Beskar and says, these were cast in an Imperial smelter, the spoils of the Great Purge, the reason that we all hit, live hidden like rat, sand rats. Um, then the woman says, our secrecy is our survival. Our survival is our strength. And I do want to point out here that this Mando speaking, the one that's picking up the uh, the Beskar, the heavy Mando is what he's credited as. And the dude that's credited as playing him on IMDb and such is the same dude uh, that was in the bar at the, in the first episode, like uh, some MMA fighter or something. So he's credited as being the person in the armor. But the person voicing this Mando sounds very much like John Favreau to me. And I don't know, as, as, as of recording, I've seen neither confirm nor deny the fact that it was voiced by John Favreau. But I've watched the episode twice now and I'm sold on it being John Favreau. I find it hard to not believe that's John Favreau. It sounds very much like him. And I would 100% believe that he would do it because he's voiced, uh, he's voiced them before. You got, you, got, you got breaking updates for me over there? or? Well, it says on series creator John Favreau voiced Paz Vizsla, a heavy infantry Mandalorian in a cameo. Who says that? Uh, comicbook.com. I mean, it's on not, the Wikipedia page. I mean, you give me very credible According sources. According to a report from Vanity Fair. <laughs> I mean, report from Vanity Fair adds credence? Yeah, sure. But that's not confirmation. That's report. Does that count? I'm taking it. Sorry? Whatever, I'm taking it. Report from Vanity Fair yep. is, cred is credible enough. You started with comicbook.com, Wikipedia, but we got there. <laughs> Vanity, Vanity Fair, I'll count as a credible source. So yeah, like... I'm taking that then. Confirmation. So John Favreau is voicing this character, which uh, the character is credited as Paz Vizsla. Um, in the Clone Wars, John Favreau voiced a character called uh, Pre Vizsla. Now, Vizsla was spelled slightly different, but the spelling is very near the same to the point where it's like, it seems that they're trying to make it out that he's playing a descendant of the same clan that he once voiced in the Clone Wars. Which is getting into all sorts of like, of course, the the finer details of all this here. But it's like, because they're all, Mandalorians all have their own clans and whatever else, you know, and they're, they're signets and whatever else. So it's like, maybe he's a, a descendant, but he's reworded the, the name or something. Maybe it was a spelling mistake in the credits of the show. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they, they spelled it wrong. There's also one other thing just to jump ahead. To, to tie it back into this point before we move on. 
And I'll go over it again when we get to it. But at the end where this same heavy Mando flies up next to uh, the Mandalorian ship as they're leaving, he does the whole like uh, salute. Very Iron Man-like yep. for the character that John Favreau's playing is all I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. So that's uh, that's all tied in. There was, there was several moments watching this the first time I was like, it's fucking John Favreau. It's John Favreau. I, I think I got so distracted going, it's John Favreau. It's John Favreau. And, and until I got to the credits, I was like, presuming he was playing the exact same character from Clone Wars, but I'm like, he'd be too old. He'd be dead. I, I, I don't know, but here we are. Um, Just kidding. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the heavy Mando then says that their strengths was once in numbers and now they only come above ground one at a time. Another really interesting point. They only come above ground one at a time. So definitely, definitely to do with their hiding. They want to appear that their numbers are non-existent still. So they're only, only one Mandalorian is, uh, is allowed to, to leave at a time. So they're never seen, uh, about I would, but then I'm like, that begs questions of like, okay, so they leave one at a time, but they're not pretending to be the same Mando because they all look different. That would be ridiculous so maybe like our mando works at the bounty guild over here maybe one of the other mandos when he goes up he does a different bounty guild or does something else completely different to try and get beskar and whatever else you know but Mm. whatever they're all doing there are up until this episode because obviously (laughs) things change they they were only coming out one at a time to protect themselves it seems so that no one knew that there was as many of them uh, in hiding as as there actually is. Um, so then the, the heavy Mando says, um, our world was shattered by the Empire who this coward shares tables. And then he pulls out a vibro blade and the, him and our Mando have a bit of a, a fight of one another. I also want to point out how cool yep. it was to see uh, vibro blades in live action Star Wars because if you look, pay attention to them. They are actually like just vibrating like blades. And it was really cool to see. Cause obviously like yeah. an- animation and stuff, it's fine, but seeing it live action, I'm like, Oh, that looks cool. It actually does look like it's just a vibrating blade. Um, the woman Mando then talks about, she talks them down and asks our Mando if he's ever removed or had his helmet removed to which he says no. And then she says, this is the way. And then all of the Mandos in return repeat, this is the way, which becomes the the key slogan and word for uh, yeah. this episode. I think this that- kind of this element made me think that they're treating Mandalorian more like a religion than as a race of people. Like well, the way they do things and that kind of thing. Is he an actual Mandalorian, or is he just someone who got raised in the way of Mandalorian culture? You know, I think. And- at this stage in this episode, I'm voting that he's not actually born on Mandalore. I'm going to say that he, the whole like foundling thing is that they, the Mandalorian numbers, like core Mandalorian people's numbers were dwindled to such a low number during the empire's great purge that they start finding people foundlings and they start raising them under Mandalorian culture and ways. Um, They've always, like, in Rebels or Clone Wars and whatever, like, it's always been, like, their armor and their ways is very much, like, a religion to them. Um, But the way Star Wars treats religion is a lot different to the way that we treat religion 
in our yep. world. You know what I mean? Because we always think religion means like you're praying to God and like some spiritual thing and all these other things. Whereas um, within Star Wars, when you talk about like religious things, it doesn't have to mean like spiritually. It could, you know, like the Jedi are spiritual in nature because of the force, but they're not praying to like a God or anything. You know what I mean? Like they believe in the greater- like, um- Buddhism, I guess, or probably yeah. like belief in reincarnation. And yeah, it's it's more in line with that. So it's like, yeah, the the, <clears throat> the Mandalores have a religious like way of life, but it's not the way that we would actually view religion down here on Earth, <laughs> and, the, and the way we <laughs> do it. But also, the way they're treating Mandalorian culture in this court, this group here, seems like extremism. I guess to 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 what yes. they need to do. Obviously, the never removing of helmets and all these sorts of things that is extremism. Um, in both Clone Wars and Rebels, Mandalorians take their helmets off all the time. There's no like reason for them not to take their helmets off. Like they, it's their armor. They have their armor on all the time, sure, uh, but they take the fucking helmets off when they're inside. You know, like <laughs> it's polite. <laughs> To, to not help, help I mean, help, it, help it becomes on. a hygiene thing at a certain point. <laughs> exactly. I, I I feel like to unless m- they've got like UV lights built into the armor to I, like clean themselves. Yeah, you know, I keep seeing people making the jokes online, but I'm like, what? I I don't really need to know. Like, it, as far as I'm concerned, he can take it off in the shower as long as no one sees. But surely it's <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know what he I mean? He says if he's ever removed it, and he said no. Uh, maybe he's a liar. Could be a thing. Um, I would say that that all ties into them wanting to keep the secrecy, though, I guess. Like, because yeah. they, they all want to be seen as one and the number's dwindling. And, like, if they're seen from a distance, they're all going to appear to be the same Mandalore person, Mandalorian, just one making their way yeah. around the galaxy. Uh, the second they take the helmet off, they're different, you know? So I, I feel like yeah. that's what comes into that. And the whole, this is the way slogan or line um, ties into their current plan of action to raise the numbers. Like this is the way is not something we've ever heard before when it comes to Mandalore. It's, it's something that these Mandalorians are uh, doing on the, on their path. And it, it just seems part of yeah. their plan to all pretend to be one be in unison, uh, work to raise money, Beskar, people, foundlings, help raise them, whatever else, and then uh, slowly but surely eventually return, I guess, you know, once they've got their numbers yeah. back up. Um, she asks who did the damage, the damage to his armor, and then uh, he responds by saying a mudhorn did it. She offers to make his signet, Omar Horn, but he refuses since it wasn't an honorable kill, explaining that an enemy helped him. And then she's like, why would an enemy help you? And he's like, he didn't know he was my enemy. At the, they didn't know they were my enemy at the time, which I thought was interesting because he's viewing at this point Yeetle as his enemy. Well he, well, he views him as an enemy now that he's handed him, I guess, like in his mind. He's like, yeah. I've handed him over. They're going to think I'm an enemy now. So He's got nothing to yeah. do with him now. Yeah. Um, she then says she'll make whistling birds instead and he asks that she reserve some for the foundlings which again they all say this is the way this is the way 
This is the way. She then forms his armor as we again see a flashback sequence. Oh my god, when was getting to this point? Like she was I knew she was about to get 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 into the armor, and I'm like sat back. I'm like, here we go, flashback scene. Let's go. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like yeah. ready, here we go. Every time there's a anytime she picks up a hammer throughout the series now, I'm just gonna be like, all right, flashback so, scene. Flashback. Here, we, here we go. Um so we see that um the droid this time, like we, we see basically what we've seen before. Uh the kid, which we're presuming is our Mandalorian. Um, is placed into the hatch and then uh, the, uh, the explosion seems to go off and then a, the, the hatch opens again is the what we see this time for the first time and the droid's standing there over him and then the way it's edited though is like um, it transitions as the hammer comes down of the as the armor is making his armor and it seems like something could potentially be swinging to like hit the droid. Like, and I feel like next yeah. time we have a flashback scene, obviously we'll see him being saved. But the key question here is who's saving him? And obviously I think that's going to be quite important. There are several directions you could go. Now, number one, um, the one that would make a lot of sense, obviously, is um, a Mandalorian saves him. And that's why he yeah. gets picked up and becomes part of the Mandalorian thing. A more on-the-nose thing that I'm personally not a fan of, but again, would somewhat make sense, I guess, but it'd be very corny, is that Yoda saves him. And that's why he has a uh, soft spot because the creature looks like yeah. the person that saved him when he was a child. Uh, it could be a Jedi in general, just as a tie-in because it's set during the Clone Wars or whatever. I'm Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi, and then tie that in. Be like, oh, there you go. See, had Deborah Chow do this episode. All connects. So it's finally all. I mean, together. does the timeline fit? Like, yeah, well, it's the Clone Wars. The the flashbacks are Clone yeah, Wars. How long is that between that and? the end of this episode six how many years between oh like 30 something yeah okay so mandalorian would be like 30 mandalorian is probably like 30 40 ish yeah yeah presumably something along those lines anakin skywalker yeah so yeah we're assuming that the battle droids are like um separatist droids yeah, yeah, yeah. very much like if, yeah. if you see a lot more in this sequence you can see in the sky separatist ships you can see uh so you get the b1 battle droids and you got um you can see a couple of uh normal uh bots droids in the background at some shot too so it's it's the clone wars like um the separatists are attacking a planet whatever planet it is here so to have a jedi be that yoda obi-wan or whoever come in and save him at last point would Makes sense. It would make perfect sense because that's what the Jedi were doing. Now, I would be, I would more prefer it to be a random Jedi with no connection because then it's just like not so weird. I feel like if they make it, Carol Kestis. No, I don't think. Oh my god. I I think if they made it Yoda, that would be too corny, and I don't like that. Yeah, it would. Um, and also if they made it a Mandalorian, I don't know if that makes sense because they would really need to explain why a random <clears throat> Mandalorian was helping fight on a different planet in the Clone Wars is the thing. Yeah. Don't know why this is going there. Also, another thing I saw someone point out on the internet today that I hadn't clicked on to myself yet is that all three of them, the the parents plus the child in that flashback sequence, uh, the red robes they're wearing are very much like the red robe that we see during the Star Wars holiday special, which are supposed to be uh, life day day outfits, basically. Yeah. Which would imply that the attack is happening on 
the Star Wars equivalent of Christmas Day, more or less. Yeah, and that was mentioned. Life Day was mentioned in Episode One, I believe. Yes, somebody. Yes, the bounty. The, the bounty says that he was hoping to get home before Life Day or something along those lines. So Life Day would be coming up. So potentially we could have an anniversary so of another episode flashbacks. Yeah, celebrating Life Day. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that could make sense. We hit Life Day yeah. in the show, and then we have another flashback as he's remembering what happened to him as a child on Life Day, and who saved him. But I definitely feel like someone's going to save what him. If, yeah. What if John Favreau has already made his Star Wars holiday special? We just didn't realize We it. didn't realize it the whole time, but yeah, it's, it's going to be the, the thing. Yeah. The season finale is actually. <laughs> Maybe. Tiger Matiti, come direct the fucking <laughs> holiday special of Star Wars, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. By the way, Tiger Matiti is directing the season finale. Um, also, oh. Side note, by the way, I found out I they put up some more uh, IMDb credits and uh, stuff on StarWars.com and stuff. Uh, John Favreau did not write every episode of the season. So no, there you go. Dave Filoni, in fact, writes one. Um, and someone else, I think. Christopher Yates and yeah. Rick. Yes. Femiwana? Femiwana? Yeah, we know who we're on. Yeah. <laughs> we know who we're on. <laughs> writes one as well. Yeah, so it's not old John Favreau as, as I thought last week. Um, where was I up to here anyway? Uh, our word was shattered by the Empire, Mando things, uh, blah blah. Um, yeah, so he, he says, gets the whistling berms, uh, bird, sorry. She then forms his armor, and we get the whole flashback. And the other thing of note here that I only clicked onto this episode is this is probably why he hates droids. I never clicked onto that last episode, but the reason he probably hates droids that we get the note of, like no droids with the whole car in the first episode, is probably because he got attacked during the Clone Wars buy a bunch of fucking droids and that would make perfect yep. sense why a person would not like droids that is a very sensible thing to have in a show yeah with a character that like sense. that it makes perfect sense actually yeah i was like why does he your hate droids killed by snakes <laughs> your parents killed by snakes when you're a child you're not gonna like snakes that's probably true but it's, it's so funny because like the first episode i was like oh man like what's going on here why does he hate droids what's the big what's the big thing going on here but it's like it really is just as simple as <laughs> he got attacked yeah. by fucking droids when he was a kid because he hates that hates the bloody things. Um, so then he heads on over to the bar where all the bounty hunters um, hang out. Now, the first thing I wrote down in my notes here was, was that fucking Zubio, which I've then come in and wrote edit. No, it was confirmed on Twitter that it was not. So when he first enters the bar, car, uh, Gr- Grief is talking to this bounty hunter and he's like, oh, you're a um, the filthy sand breather, sand, whatever he says, something along these lines. And then um, I was like, oh, this fucking thing. It literally looks like Zubio. In case anyone doesn't know, Constable Zubio was a character that was originally revealed for The Force Awakens. And everyone was like, this character looks ridiculous and weird. They had a Black Series figure for him and everything. And he appears in the background of one shot for like a split second when the actual movie came out. The typical Star Wars thing. But I was like, oh, man, Zubio. But then um, one of the story group people on Twitter confirmed that it's not actually Zubio. And I was like, motherfucker. Maybe another day. Uh, so then Mando speaks to Grief and we get, uh, he, it's like, oh, you know, like very much once so good about this show and what they're doing so amazingly is kind of what they did with, uh, managed to do with Vader in like mainly Return of the Jedi, which is that they're getting so much emotion and story for a character that has a helmet on the entire time, uh, through the acting and like what they're doing by the way they're speaking and then also the movements of their body. Uh, so you can very much tell in this scene that. The Mando is filled with guilt at this point, or starting to fill with guilt. And he just wants to get to work. He wants to get the fuck out there and he, w- he wants to leave and he wants to get his mind off 
what he's thinking about, you know? So he sits down. He's like, everyone's like celebrating him. It's like, Grief's like, my best bounty hunter. Like, come celebrate. I'll take you to the Twilight lap dance pools or whatever, <laughs> whatever he, you know, he, he jokes around and says. And he's like, no, just give me a job. And he, he picks up a job and um, he leaves. But then when he gets into his ship and this scene is honestly, th- this scene is the, the example of why this show is so good and it's being made by people who are, amazing at what they do is because it is a character sitting in a ship and then the story and the motion and like what he's thinking and what he's going through all plays out over the next 20 30 seconds and they don't need to do anything to show you they just let the actor go through the, they let the character and actor go through the motions themselves and then you fully understand what's going on see so many other shows would have cut this sort of scene or wanted to hurry up they're like oh people get bored these days you can't have slow scenes of people just sitting here doing this like figure out what's going on like they 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 take the time to let the mandalorian flick on all the switches they show you he switched flick 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 turn this on turn this on sits there looks over at the thing the knobs missing that yeetle had picks it up looks at it stares at it for a couple seconds and you can tell that's that's why the show's so good. It's like you can tell it's a fucking dude wearing a giant helmet, but you can tell that on the inside he's like, ugh, like it's kind of crushing him at this point, you know. Like, and then he puts it on, and then they still allow it enough time so you can, they show you flick, 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 flick. Everything shut off. They don't speed it up. They allow the scene to to breathe and have as much time as it um, it needs. And that's why the episode is so good. As, as much as everyone wants to yell, like, Baby Yoda, all this stuff, like, that, that stuff's all great. But I think the reason the show is so good so far is because they're doing scenes like this. And that proves that they're actually, they're getting, like, emotion and character and real story into this. It's not just for memes and Baby Yeetle and whatever else. Um, so, yeah, after he does this, he, uh, he obviously has a change of heart. He heads back to the client's place, uh, of work and then he heads out back and finds the Yeetle's pod is in the rubbish which I also found funny because I'm like oh, they have garbage tips at the back of workplaces <laughs> in Star yeah. Wars universe didn't know that was the couldn't thing. afford that interior uh, no. trash compactor <laughs> trash compactor no they're like just chuck it out the recycling out back get it done um, he then gets on top of a roof they could have put that on Craigslist Craigslist or something. Or I mean, that seems like a reusable yeah do you want to use baby sold pod? it to some Jawas or something yeah Jawas would steal it so then the the Mandalorian gets atop a uh, roof and he pulls out his rifle which apparently has I guess extra hearing through walls ability as well something like that it's got sonic amplification something, something along those lines yeah um, and he hears a conversation between the doctor and the client where he basically overhears, extract what we need, get it over with, blah, 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 blah. And that's enough for the Mando. And it was enough for me. I was like, yeah. <laughs> what do so they the want me- to extract? Well, yeah. Okay, I've got thoughts on this. We'll, uh, I'll pause okay, when we, we get, get to, to we'll get to the doctor's room. Uh, so the Mando knocks on the door uh, and tricks <laughs> some of the troopers to come out. And then he also goes down further and plants an explosive on the side of the building, blows that up, and then the Mando heads in, taking out some troopers and fighting his way inside. When he gets to the room that Yeetle is in, um, he's in there with the Doctor, and Yeetle is strapped into some machine, and there's an uh, interrogation probe droid above him, which Mando quickly destroys. The Doc is saying that he's protecting it, and if it wasn't for him, he would already be dead. 
So then the Mando takes Yiddle, who was passed out, and heads outside. So stop there for a second. Batman's his way out. Yeah, Batman's his way out. To in the room, obviously, there's lots of interesting things. I don't know what's going on with Yiddle in the machine he's strapped into, some sort of just doctor bed type thing or whatever. I don't know why they have like the probe droid there thing. It's like, obviously, for the extraction, whatever they're trying to extract. There's several key things here, though. A. That they're not, the key words is extract. So you got to ask the question of what are they trying to extract? And I'm just going to throw it out here now because this was my first thought because I am into, I think if you listen to any Star Wars stuff, I'm into weird and crazy Star Wars shit. I'm just going to chuck out the word midi-calorians. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> what is this weird Star Wars term that you've come up with? I'm being serious though. Like imagine if they... We haven't heard it talked about ever since episode one. Imagine if that's legit what they're trying to get out of him. Now, imagine if the reason is this. All right, let's 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 bring it back a second. Let's on last week's episode of Older Explosion. If you uh, don't listen to that, you should because we talk, we're watching movies and stuff and discussing them in the lead up to the Rise of Skywalker. I asked the question if this show could have anything to do with. Um, the Rise of Skywalker, huge implications and so on and so forth. And I said that I don't think it was going to, it was just going to have some sort of like first order tie-in sort of stuff. Now I'm like changing my mind a little bit after this episode because you've got Luke Yeetel here who's having stuff trying to be distracted, uh, extracted from him. A little force user from a species who grows old very slowly also a force user who apparently, if we're judging by the fact that he did try and heal the Mando and he wasn't just trying to do that. Because when you watch the second episode first, you're like, huh, he's trying to heal the Mando. He thinks he can help. How, how cute is that? Rewind the episode a second time after you know he has force powers and then presume that he can actually heal the Mando and then let's yeah. presume that he actually does have the ability to heal people. Like, because the way, well, the, way the way Yutel goes to do it is like, he knows he can help, you know? But the first time you watch the episode, because you don't know he has force powers, you're like, oh, he's a cute little baby trying to help. I very much think that mm. he can help. Um, Yeetle could have helped, but the Mando like, puts him back in his pod. So I'm saying very slow aging species, very high midichlorian count, very powerful. Like, look at the way he takes down that mud horn, holds it up, you know? Strong. 50 years old, strong. Has healing powers, potentially. Hmm. You know, he would love to age slowly, needs healing power. <laughs> <laughs> One Palpatine <laughs> probably needs all of the above. The other interesting factor here is, um, and I didn't catch this one, so I, I try to point out when I've seen stuff on Twitter or Reddit, so I'm, I'm not claiming to be the smartest person in the room at all times. I saw this on Reddit. Yeah. So someone on Reddit pointed out, they zoomed in um, so the Doctor's emblem in this episode is very similar. It's basically like 90% similar to the Camino symbol from Tack the Clones that the Camonians, I think so. how you say it, um, they all wear. So they, they compared it to a shot of all the little clones all working on the computers, um, little, the little youngling clones before they're old enough to, to go become clone troopers. And they all have this symbol on. And then you compare it to the symbol of the doctor in this episode. Very, very similar, like 90 to 99% similar. There's a slight difference with like, there's a, there's a little bit of a different line underneath it, but more or less it's the same. 
So the doctor has very has connections seemingly to cloning. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> it's like is then Yeetal a clone? Are they trying to clone Yeetal? Is it the best idea to kill him if they're trying to clone him? Is it the best idea to kill it if you only want to extract extract midichlorians from it? All I'm going to say is that whatever they're trying to do with him is some weird and wacky Star Wars shit that uh, it, they would not do in a movie is what I'm going to put my bets on. I don't have any, any solid inclinations, you know? But at the moment, I honestly wouldn't put it outside the box of saying midichlorians. If they could bring back that term anywhere... You're better off doing it in a TV show that's already got good press for everyone saying it's the cutest thing alive. Then everyone can be like, no, but it's cute though. <laughs> you know? And that would explain why George Lucas likes it so much and he was on the set so often. He's like, yes, they're finally bringing back the Munochlorians. Yes, we can talk about how they extracted them. But um, how do you feel about any of that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would go that extreme as to say... Hey, it's uh, the harvesting his midichlorians to give to the emperor so he can come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, you know, maybe they're still like extracting his liver to, you know, to, 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 to help with impotence or something. No. You know, something basic. <laughs> no. Damn, that's quite right. That's quite right. Or maybe they want to clone little Yiddle. Like, you know, this is a big moneymaker. We sell these tiny little Yiddle clones. Everybody's going to want one. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, everyone's life, going to want one for life day. Yeah. There'll <laughs> be a one under every life day tree. Well, in the aftermath series of books, they say that they give out fucking Ewoks as basically psychological helpers to people. Here, have a, have an Ewok as a, a little pet to help you with your, your problems in life. So maybe it could be a similar thing. I don't know. We're, we're definitely going to get more. All I'm going to say is that. My, my, I'm open to these weird and wacky possibilities. And I kind of like it. Just, just saying, just saying. There's, there's some evidence to point towards these. Jackson, don't at me. Uh, so that, yeah, Mando then takes Diesel, who is passed out. By the way, it's a very cute uh, scene. Just to see, you realize how small Diesel actually is when he's being cradled in the, the Mando as he's heading out here, and then the Mando fights I know, his way. It, it, it didn't feel like he was holding him the whole time. Properly? To be fair. Yeah. Maybe the whole time like, Utah was... Well, clearly he wasn't holding him when they filmed it the whole time, but it didn't look like he was holding him. Uh, Just, I don't know, the shape of this. I, I think, it, I think it to make it off. easier, because they didn't have to, like, special effects in or obviously use a yeah. puppet or anything like that. They were like, just wrap this cloth up and then hold that and it would look like there's something there. Yeah. yeah. It didn't quite look like it, the correct weight or something. It yeah. just threw me off a little bit, but... I, I mean, I'm, it's purely for practical. Yeah, yeah. So he can do the stunts and everything, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then he fights his, his way out while protecting Yiddle. Mando even has to burn a trooper at one stage. Um, so he shoots a couple Ooh. people, gets hit a couple times, but his new armor obviously bounces off shots. Uh, manages to protect Yiddle, doesn't get shot. Um, I don't want to shout, so I don't want to shout out the music every episode because I'll spend too long on it. But if I'm going to point out one piece of music per episode and allow myself at least that is the the piece of music that plays during this scene, especially like when they get into this, it kicks in in the room where he starts hiding behind boxes and it's got this like it's like real like tension building thing. It's fucking amazing. By the way, I I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but 
they have all this the fucking soundtracks separate on Spotify. It's doing my head in. I mean, I kind of like, like every how, episode. Hey, every episode is different album. So if you go, it's like episode three. Here are the songs. Episode one. Here are the songs. They're not like one album that they're adding to. They're releasing them as separate albums. I mean, yeah, but then you can just put them in one playlist. You can. I mean, I like. It's, I'm just being nitpicky. I wish they were just updating the same but one. Then so I could it's shuffle easier it. for you to distinguish which which is from exactly which. From. Yeah. So every every time every episode that drops, I've been listening to the, the soundtrack straight well, after, yeah. um, which is good. And I, I like how they put them up straight away. That's another thing I, I want to shout out. That the fact that they are putting the music up literally right straight away. after the episode drops is amazing because they've never done that before for anything, uh, any TV show that I know of really. Um, not not like this, like Game of Thrones. They drop, put that one track up for the first episode, but not like they went like, "Oh, here's all the songs you know from this episode. Here are all no. the songs from this episode." They like put a, like a random one, like after the long yeah. the long night, they released that one track. Yes, that plays towards yeah. the end. Yeah, and then just recently they dropped the Watchmen Part One, like couple ep- couple songs, like four not, episodes worth. Yes, but not yeah. not like episode by episode, which is this doing. Which I, I've never seen a show do this, and I I really like it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Someone who likes listening to. Um, Look, we knocking out of the park. I've been looping his stuff: Black Panther, fucking Creed. This, yeah. oh, just, just been on thing. I mean, is 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 uh, the next Michael J. Kino? He's going to be doing everything. Oh, loving it. Uh, he eventually gets uh, cornered by a bunch of troopers in this room, um, which is kind of a flashback to the first episode where they say they've got him. They'll point guns at him, and he, he's like, "It's four to one or five to one, whatever." And he's like, "I like those odds." He likes those odds because they yeah. work out well for him. Um, he bends down on the ground. He's like, oh, I've got something protective, uh, precious here or whatever. Um, puts puts down Yeetal and then he releases those singing birds that got made for him Whistling earlier. Birds. Whistling birds, sorry. They got made for him earlier, which are tracking yep. missiles, I guess. <laughs> Super rare. Be careful. Don't use them in very special circumstances. 10 minutes later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he uses them for a good reason, to save Yeetal. I mean, so. it's like a uh, whatever a gun is like. The thing, which one? You don't give a person the show a shot of a gun if you're not going to use it in the episode. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then he heads out. He heads outside after this. He never runs into the client when when Herzog. Which I was like, okay, so I guess he's going to come back because I was like, I wonder if he's going to run into him just killing this episode. But I guess he comes back. Uh, mm. Then we cut to the bar and we see that everyone's uh, fobs are going off, uh, flashing again cool. as the Mando heads out with Yutel. I guess they start. How lucky him. is it that everybody kept those? <laughs> Very lucky. Even though they know, knew that the, the, the bounty had already been claimed. Yeah. What? You just chuck them out. Yeah. And once again, it's like literally everyone on this planet apparently is a fucking bounty hunter. <laughs> everyone yeah. in that bar and apparently well, everyone on this in planet. That bar, yeah. Which and seems like everyone on the planet. planet. Yeah. <laughs> what were they hunter. doing the entire time? Did they, did they also not go to the planet? I don't know. Just drinking? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so the waiting. The lazy bounty sleep. hunters, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so then this whole sequence that plays out here is just the most Western the show has been so far, um, in my opinion. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of Western-y type shots and whatever, but this sequence, this shootout, everything that happens here is just Western 100% all over it. So Mando gets surrounded by grief and grief tales and you put Yeetle on the, on the cargo freighter next to him and I'll discuss terms. Uh as he's surrounded by a bunch of, of bounty hunters as well, obviously. Mando then goes over, leans down, puts Yiddle down, and then he's like, you know, fuck this shit. He dives into it and then starts firing and he threatens the R2 unit to drive and that thing starts pulling forward. So 
when I say Western influences, I mean, I've seen this scene done in Western movies. Yeah. The way it changes is that it is a horse and it is a carriage and the, the person dives into the carriage. They fucking hit the horse's ass and the horse takes off. That is literally the sequence that we're watching here. And I, it's one of those things where I'm watching it and I'm very aware of the inspiration and what I'm watching, but I don't mind it. You know, like it's so obvious but I kind of like it at the same yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you know. I'm like, it's so obvious, but I like it. Um, Grief is smart though, and shoots what I thought was going to be my big, big plot hole because at first I was like, is he just going to literally get out of here after doing that? Because I'm like, shoot the fucking droid or shoot the horse, whatever version we're watching here. But he's Grief- had to suck. <laughs> yeah, geez. no wonder yeah. they didn't get the. Yeah, no wonder bounty. they didn't get anything done. Uh, Grief is smart though and he pulls out and he shoots the R2 units so then Mando is stuck amongst them all Mando starts shooting as many people as he can he pulls out his rifle he starts blowing up some bounty hunters yep it's not um, just jowers that get no, disintegrated it's, it's, it's everything <laughs> it's everything yeah <laughs> um, then pulls out uses his remaining of his flamethrower um, that runs out of gas and uses that um, and all things he, he manages to take down a few but all things seem dire and then he turns and it's he leans over Yeetal and Yeetal like kind of wakes up and is like, oh, hello, Mando daddy. <laughs> Love you. And it very much seems like the Mando's like, you did a thing once, like do it again. You know, yeah. like use whatever the thing you did to the Mudhorn, do that again kind of thing. It seems like he's looking to him, like kind of hoping for the best. For um, a miracle, yeah. For a miracle from him, yeah. But his miracle does not arrive from Lil Yeetal. His miracle arrives from somewhere else as the rest of the Mandalorians come out of hiding uh, jetpacks above the city and they start shooting everyone. And it felt like I was watching the animated series, honestly. That's what I wrote. My note says I'm watching an animated series. What the fuck? It's my literal note that I wrote down when I watched this. This was the most shocking and like all like, oh my God scene I've seen. And it very... Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, this is great. Like, look at all these Mandalorian shooting. I was like, that wasn't my, the way my mind was reacting, which I guess is how some people would be reacting. Like, oh, this is a very cool action scene. Look at all this. My mind was literally like, I'm watching a live action animated series. This is very weird. Because I've seen scenes like this, you know? I've seen Mandalorians come in and start shooting people and whatever else. Obviously, it's always ever been animated. But everything about this, the sequence, the way it looked, the way it was shot, uh, everything about it, I'm like... Yeah, this this show is literally just fucking live action <laughs> animated Star Wars. It's at some point, it's it's kind of crazy, and it's weird because it's like also one of those things that I never thought. I I guess I never thought I'd see in live action. You know, like I, I I've seen lots of stuff happen in animated shows where I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Never see it in live action. I'll never do that. But here we are. Here's what's happening. And this also, if if you ever thought this was going to happen, this seems like season finale material. You know, not episode three material but here it is here's what's happening um he um so yeah they all they all come in and start shooting and then he saved and um the the big mando voiced by john favreau comes down and mando uh, he tells him to to go and then our mando responds to him and says we're going to have to relocate the covenant and then the heavy mando responds with this is the way and then of course this is the way they all say this is uh, the way. This is the way. The Mando then heads inside his ship, and inside Grief is waiting for him. But Mando, very Western, once again, this whole fucking sequence. The Mando once again uh, pulls out his grapple thing, sets off a bunch of smoke, and then Grief like fires blindly through it, trying to hit him. And then the Mando just shoots him once, and he falls off 
dead. So we think uh, to the ground below. But grief is reveal, uh, revealed to have lived because he was shot in his best car in his pocket. Once again, very Western because they always used to do the whole like uh, the, bar, the gold bar or, or something. The gold bar or anything like that, you know, like stopping yeah. the bullet. Yeah, so very, <laughs> very Western. Very Western. Um, and then... Uh, as the as he's flying off through the sky, uh, the once again the John Favreau one flies up next to him, gives him the whole Iron Man. As far as I'm concerned, that's done on purpose as a wink and nod because because of Iron Man, and it was also kind of corny. I didn't like it, but I'm like, eh, I'll give it a pass. Uh, and then Mando turns and says, "I got to get me one of those because of the jetpack." And Yetel reaches out for his favorite. I mean, ship. yeah, yeah. I mean, he it does. Seems very important. Yeah, and we know like he does because spoilers. We see him in the trailer use one, so we'll we'll get you. Spoilers, Mando, you will get one eventually. Well, he uh, put, he doesn't need to make any more best guy armor, so no, he's just got to get better. Save enough for their jetpack. Yeah, <laughs> this fucking shows like a video game. Um, Yuzhal then reaches for his favorite part of the ship, but this time Mando unscrews it for him and passes it down to him, and then they take off into space. Dun dun dun. So next week. I have no predictions really because obviously the big difference between episode two and three is like I, I could kind of track where we're going because I knew where they what planet they were going to and what presumably was going to go and I thought it was very tropey but I'm still ca- happy with the way it worked out in the episode. Um, what I we do know for next week's episode is they are going to go to another planet obviously and on the planet they're going to bump into Gina Carano's character Cara Dune for the first time. We know that she's introduced in next week's episode because... In red, uh, in the last uh, interview thing that they did, uh, she said that she, her character shows up for the first time in an episode that Bryce Dallas, uh, Howard directed. Next week's episode is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Jesus Bryce Christ. Dallas Howard. Saying all the names backwards. It's been it's been a long episode. Um, yeah. She's directed it, so Cara June's going to show up in next week's episode. So finally, a woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do without I a ta- mask on. I didn't want to tackle it in this episode, this thing, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what's going to happen. I don't really know what the Mando's plan is. I guess like obviously grief is going to be after him now, like obviously yeah. for revenge or like out of reasons of oh you turned on the the bounty code or whatever. But as I said, I don't. He doesn't care about the fucking bounty code. He cares about the yeah, the Mandalorian yeah. code. Um, I do wonder if he'll reach out and meet up with other Mandalorians. Maybe there's different. Um, Covenant sex or whatever. So, yeah, like because they they do refer to themselves as like the one covenant or whatever. So maybe they'll meet up with more and others and these sorts of things. Uh, eventually, maybe they'll meet up with more covenants and eventually at the season's end, they're like, "Fuck it, let's go take back Mandalore." Mandalore. I guess I don't know. Like, don't know if you can take back Mandalore. Maybe Mandalore's stripped bare so much by the Empire that the planet's like inhabitable at this point. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. Do you have any uh, thoughts next week's episode? I suspect he'll be trying to get rid of whatever tracking thing they've got on Little Yiddle so they can, so he's not, I, I feel like he'll be followed by a lot of bounty hunters, mm. like whatever he's doing. So trying to figure out how to stop him being tracked will be priority number one. It's, the show went from us thinking it was going to be about a bounty hunter to a guy on the run from bounty, bounty hunters. It's a fugitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, all right. They'll do it for 
this week's episode of The Mandalorians. Thank you for joining us. You can find the show on ExplosionNetwork.com, YouTube.com slash ExplosionNetwork, and all good podcasting services, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, of course. You can find also our Star Wars podcast, Old Round Explosion, available right now, where we're re-watching and discussing the films as we lead up to the release of The Rise of Skywalker. This week's episode, out on Thursday, we're discussing the force awakens you can follow me on twitter at vivaldil v-i-v-a-l-a-d-i-l you can follow ash on twitter at ashley hobby a-s-h-l-e-y-h-a-b-l-e-y you can follow explosion network on twitter at explosion pod and until next week we have spoken